Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Juliette Televi, and joining me to take your stock-related questions this evening are Rekas Riedis from PSG, uh, Holin One Reimsuk, and Grant Nader from Benguela Global Fund Managers. Please be sure to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za, or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch. Grant, Rekas, good evening to you both. Um, Grant, if I may start with you uh, tonight, it seemed a very good day, or a very good start to the week for the markets at least. Should we be suspicious um, <laughs> or, or was it largely due to the, the jump that you saw in NASPASS and process shares, for example? No, there was, there was definitely some positivity in the market and actually most of it was coming through the resource counters, through the resource space. Some improvement in China, the lack of fiscal stimulus and intervention over the last few months actually has, has been a source of pressure on commodities. They've come off a lot, but I think some... You know, China's come through and cut their brokerage rates. Uh, it, again, it's to me, it's a bit of a token, but and they've announced some improvements on the property financing relief on the loan financing for retail. Uh, so there's a, a building positive sentiment there that's, I think, giving the resources a bit of a dead cat bounce. It's hard to know mm. at this stage if it's more than that. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, Grant, you know, you talk about sort of slightly positive developments out of China, but Rickus, um, you saw Evergrande grand shares crashing what 87 percent today at one point um of course mm -hmm. that's the chinese developer um and it's it, it, it was supposed to come to news with some sort of restructuring it's 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 post uh, it's delayed um I, I guess what its plans might be you know i've got you've got all these ch big chinese um development companies property development com companies that are in serious dwang that have made losses they've got huge liabilities in evergrande's case over 300 billion dollars worth so um uh, do you think maybe we are um, fooling ourselves <laughs> that things are going to be okay for resources i mean grant talks about a dead cat bounce i don't know what do you think <clears throat> well I agree with Grant. I mean, there's been some positive noise out of Chinese authorities, but it's been very drips and drabs as far as the stimulus is concerned, so nothing concrete yet. And as you said, with um, you know, Evergrande being being the, um, the shall we say, poster child of what's wrong with property in China, it's not only affecting their property companies, but it's also spilling over into their shadow banking system. So... Um, China has to do something, and it has to do something concrete and something direct rather than, you know, a bit of security tax relief every year and promises um, as, as far as providing finance for companies. Concerned. You know, it's in the end, it is a command-driven economy, and it's time that the command structure starts commanding. Otherwise, <laughs> um, it will just be uh, sentiment driving markets. As far as resources itself are concerned, I mean, coal and iron um, and its two huge markets in China have been quite um, bullish over the past two or three weeks. Um, coal, obviously, China's had a huge amount of floods, so there's been an increase in demand for thermal coal because they've got to get their, um, you know, they can't get their electricity from hydropower any anymore, but that's also peaking season you know, as, okay. as, they, as they go into winter. So maybe there's some case to be made for those two specific metals. But otherwise, it really, um, where the rubber hits the road, is what China does physically to provide some kind of support for, um, for, 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 the, physical, yeah, for yeah. the economy on the ground.
Um, you talked about resources shares having a good day, um, and there was a question on the platinum stocks um, in particular. Does the panel know what caused the large purchases on Implat and Amplats at the close? And is it time to buy the platinum shares, or is it still too early? This, of course, is a big question um, bedeviling us. Grant, do you know of any particular reason why those two companies saw big share purchases? Um, I don't. It may have been institutional or basket flows. It could be global ETF related. It's hard to know. Uh, I, I think you know you shouldn't make any decisions based on a bit of order flow on on any given day. Uh, tomorrow there could just as easily be a big sell order. Yeah. But I think the the structural sort of longer term picture for platinum or for the PGM space is really uh, quite challenging at the moment. And uh, I, I don't think there's enough. Uh, evidence yet to suggest that um, there's a strong turnaround position here and that there's a fundamental supply and demand imbalance, which is what it's going to take to provide sustained support for the PGM group metals. They've come off a long way, though, and if you wanted to buy them, now's a better chance than six months ago. Mm. But there is no guarantee they don't come down further. And uh, it's a little bit of an opaque market. The supply-demand fundamentals aren't that clear. The the impact from Russia hasn't been felt in the market, surprisingly. And so I'd be very careful. Uh, I'd place in a nibble and I'd only stick to the quality and I wouldn't overcommit at this point. Mm. Rickus, how about you? Yeah, agree with Grant on the long term. I think short term today, you could take a look at what happened with automakers in Europe. They had a very good day and that is, it comes back to China. Um, um, Stimulus in China increases buying of cars in China is good for automakers, good for catalysts. So I think that's the, you know, it was a bit of a snowball on the back of um, what happened with the resource counters, not only locally, but globally today. Um, the resource index in, um, in New York is the best performing index at the moment. Mm. Okay. Then Marion Roberts came out with um, a trading update today, which was... Horrible. Um, and I don't know if we expected anything different, but the viewer who sent us a question on, on the company says, is there just no hope for Murray and Roberts? Grant, has he, has he answered his own question? Um, or do you think <laughs> actually maybe at 66 cents or thereabouts, uh, where it traded today, uh, it's worth a punt? Uh, uh, I think at the very best, it's only worth a punt at, at most. Um, the whole construction sector is a, is a mess. Um, and it's it's really uninvestable in my opinion. I would I would be very reluctant to to put any real money into that construction space at all. The odd stock stands out like Raubex, um, but they're in a different space and they're doing uh, they're doing good things. But mm. no, I would be very careful. I, I'm sure have a have a punt. It's become a penny stock. This used to be a great business, but I think they've lost their way, uh, partly because of the government and partly because of their own doing. So. I don't have any more insight than that. I don't follow it that much, that closely at the moment. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I absolutely hear you. And Rick, is, you know, when, when a company has to say that it's a group with a certain future, <laughs> it's at the point at which it doesn't really have a particularly certain future. But, you know, they do say in the prospects um, that even though the next few years will be difficult to navigate, you know, that they see themselves as existing still and they're reducing the group's debt and delivering value by achieving our business plan, cash flow projections. Would you buy any of that? Well, they would say that, wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, so you've only got 60 cents to lose. So as Grant said, it's possibly worth a 
punt, but uh, by definition, construction companies are never investable. They are tradable. Um, so in that sense, uh, you'll take a huge outside bet in buying Marion Roberts at current prices as far as the rest of the construction um, sector is concerned, certainly price-wise. Things like um, um, Wilson Bailey and Robix seems to have at least steadied in their downtrend. But if you want to go and say, okay, where's, where is a local construction stock that um, could deliver on a turnaround situation, take a look at Stephen, Stephen Etienne's and stocks, which were in as dire a position as Marion Roberts was, possibly not as bad, but um, a few years ago, they were very close to not existing either. And there's mm. been a bit of a turnaround there. Specifically, they, they are doing what Marion Roberts is trying to do now. You know, there was recapitalized their balance sheet. To a certain extent, Stephen Nitti has done that already. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's, um, you never want to write something off entirely because there's always uh, the odds that, that it comes back, but it's doubtful mm. that it'll ever come back to the levels, for example, at which um, it rebuffed Aton, the German group that wanted to buy it out at what, 17 Rand a share. And that is one of those sort of woeful looking decisions in retrospect that they rebuffed their offer. Um, and, and here we are at 66 cents. Uh, but if we're speaking about local shares, there's a question on uh, the viewer says, I still have some cash available in my portfolio. So for the long term, do I choose Supergroup, Bidvest or Adcock Ingram for buy or spread my investment among the three? Um, Grant, do any of those actually stand out for you or would you say that's actually quite a good basket of, of SA Inc. stocks to hold? Not a bad basket at all. Um, they're, high they're fairly decent. Bidvest, very high quality, in my opinion. They obviously own a, a majority stake in Adcock, so you wouldn't necessarily you'd get both, if you, although it is small in Bidvest life. Um, Supergroup is a decent business as well. I don't think you could go too far wrong there. If I had to, if I could only pick one, I would pick Bidvest. Mm. If I could pick um, three, I would probably be comfortable with all three. Adcock has a strong consumer OTC portfolio. It's like a consumer staple in many ways. Uh, and Supergroup is is doing good things. They they diversifying globally, uh, but carefully and strategically. So I like them as well. Mm. Um, I don't think you you would have a bad opportunity there in terms of investing in any of those. But don't leave Bidvest out of the mix. Yeah. Okay. Rickus, do you have a similar view? I mean, and on, maybe before I get your thoughts on Adcock Ingram, do you expect it actually to be bought out by Bidvest at some point? Well, that rumor has been in the market for a very long time. So let's say it happens. I think that would be the only thing that gives, um, that would provide in um, excitement in Adcock. Otherwise, it's a very stable and unfortunately reasonably boring business. <laughs> again, again, stepping back and say, what is going to change the growth profile of Adcock Ingram? Not with the, um, the, the basket of products they have. I mean, they're over, it's it's very stable as far as what they provide to the consumer is concerned, but um, their prescription um, medicine is under price control, so we're not going to get any huge surprises on that side. People are not going to get sicker with flu um, mm -hmm. this winter than they were last winter, unless there's an epidemic, God forbid. Um, so there's no growth catalyst in that. Um, going back to the other two choices, Supergroup does have that growth 
Catalyst, and that's in the form of SG Fleet in Australia. So that's the more exciting of the three counters. And as Grant said, um, I don't, you know, if you're looking for quality, um, Bitvis is the obvious choice. A further question has come through from a different viewer asking about Advtech, Omnia, and Stadio. And he says, which, so the panel's thoughts on these three, and which other JSE mid-caps that fall below the liquidity threshold for large investment houses look appealing? Um, Rickus, if I may start with you uh, this half. Uh, on Advtech, Omnia, and Stadio, do you like any of those? And if so, why? Well, well talking about the... Um the Midcap universe, he's he's already picked two, and that's Stadio and and Advertech. I think Advertech probably the more, shall we say, conservative choice. Stadio the more interesting choice, and just because of their product offerings. So there's probably a little bit more stability in Advertech, seeing that they've got bricks and mortars as well. But that, in a sense, also reduces their um, runway, if I can use that cliche. Whereas Stadio is very interesting in as far as the online offering is concerned, which if successful, specifically if they get um, accreditation as far as their um, qualifications that they offer yeah. is concerned, is is a very capital light industry. But that sector in general, I think, is is pretty positive. Omnia, I think locally you can, the uh, one that you can compare it to is African Explosive, and I prefer African Explosives. And, um, um, both as a business and just also from a from a price momentum point of view. Mm. Uh, Grant, just on Advtech, um, they came out with results today mm. that seemed very g- decent, uh, nice dividend, and the share mm. price performance has been really good over a one-year period. Would you expect a, a lot more from the share, or do you think maybe it's kind of done its thing for now? I think it depends on your timeline, but they've actually been operating well for a good few years now. They've They've paid down their debt dramatically. Um, they've managed their capex very well, their margins well. You know, I like this management team. It's a steady performer. They've delivered nicely. Uh, they've done all the right things. And I, I suspect you can hold them with the longer-term time horizon because we have the structural demand in South Africa for education uh, that will continue to underpin the space they're playing in. So I like it. I think you can buy it and hold it. Hmm. Um, and um, as for the other two, or any other mid-cap yes. shares that that's, so, that for, are, are not liquid enough for the big investment houses? So Stadio is definitely one that I've liked for a long time, and I think they continue to deliver. They're a little bit more pricey, but you're getting a, a, a more growth, higher growth profile as well. You know, the tertiary education demand is, is significant. Online is growing. And, of course, I, I like to say they're feeding off Eunice's carcass. So as long as Eunice <laughs> yeah. continues to... To struggle, which I suspect they will, Stadio is a beneficiary of that long-term tailwind. Uh, so that's a great little business. Omnia is is fun. Uh, I just think it's – I don't really see a path to growth for them. I think they, they're subject to a lot of external factors, and they don't have that much that's in their own control. So it's okay. It's a solid business, but it's not exciting, um, mm-hmm. and, and it's not – it's it's just fine. It's not one I would personally want to own. Yeah. Um, and in terms of other businesses, some of the small cap space, uh, you know, there's some of the liquids like uh, um, Combined Motor Holdings is a well-run business. Uh, if you're looking in a little more cyclical space, through the cycle, as we see the rates turn, that might be a nice one. Uh, or, or something like Ital Tal. They've done well in a very tough environment yeah. post-COVID. So there's a couple of good operators out there that really the big instos can't 
can't get involved in. Yeah, I mean, Etel Tower's got such a small free float because it's got these kind of committed institutional investors. Rika, so you mentioned AECI, which would be your preference um, to Omnia. Are mm. there any others in the small or mid-cap space that institutional investors can't buy because they're too illiquid that, that stand out for you? Well, I don't know if, <coughs> if Supergroup would qualify, but we've just spoken about okay. that. Um, c- certainly that. Um, yeah, that was a bit of a quick question. So um, rather than guess, I'll just stay with what um, with what Grant has said. Okay. Uh, then there's follow-on questions uh, on well, uh, SA Inc shares this evening. Your outlook on Motus and Discovery, Ericus, if I can stick with you. Well, let's let's go with Motus first. Um, strangely enough, we were talking about automakers a little bit earlier, and Motus as well today. Um, um, a very good little um, rally during the day. Um, it has been sold down um, quite heavily over the past year, two years. It's a, it's it's a very well-run business. Obviously, it's it is very much dependent on the export market and also to a certain extent local consumer. But I do think at these levels um, they offer value. Mm. Discovery. Um, I'm not enough of an accountant at all, in fact. <laughs> no really one is. understand discovery. So. <laughs> so again, in that sector, my preference would be very boring and, and I would go for Sunlam, just mm. just going back into quality. Okay. Grant, I mean, on the discovery issue, if, if so many people who I uh, imagine are, you know, smart investment analysts such as yourselves mm. say we can't understand the numbers that discovery puts out, what hope do the rest of us have? Firstly, and secondly, is that not is that not incumbent on discovery to I, I don't know to well I don't know if you can rejig for your financials or you change your actuarial mm-hmm. assumptions, but is that not something that management really seriously has to tackle? If you've got so many people in the investment community saying we don't understand the actuarial mm-hmm. assumptions, they're very aggressive about this. Uh, we are very nervous about buying into the company based on its financials. Therefore, we won't. I mean, that that is, must mm-hmm. be a red flag for management, right? So management have tried to address it. They've had every year when they have their earnings, they also have a separate day where they just sit and take actuarial questions. They sit with a room full of actuaries from the analyst sell side who come and interrogate every single thing that they do every which way. But, of course, even an actuary lives in his own world. And so (laughs) I think the general investors struggle to, you know, they they operate at a sort of a different level to to many of us normal investors. (laughs) And so I think... They've picked over that with a fine tooth comb, and uh, you know what gives me some comfort is that they've they've now got a long history, like th- decades of data, to support or rebuff their assumptions. So in the beginning, it was this is what we expect to happen. Now you can look back with the hindsight, with the benefit of hindsight, and actually see some evidence that proves or disproves. Um, mm. You know they've got at least thirty years in the in the life business, and so I, I'm. I think the more time passes, the more you should be able to get some level of comfort with the assumptions because they can only base it on on what's real now and not what they are just forecasting of their own accord. So I think it's quite an exciting and dynamic business. It's not that cheap, but they do have some unique growth drivers or growth potential that most SA businesses don't have because of this quagmire of an economy that we're stuck in. So yeah. I quite like Discovery, and yes, there are some caveats around the uncertainties that some people have, but um, I, I think it's a good management team. I like it. Mm, okay. Yeah. 
And Motus, um, I mean, Rick is yeah. saying it's a decent business, not not too expensive. Uh, if there's any relief in interest rates, would Motus be an obvious beneficiary? Uh, definitely. It's a well-run business, great cash conversion. Um, they are obviously subject to the vagaries of the consumer and the economic cycle and the interest rate cycle. But it, we will get through this cycle. We will see rates ease off again and the economy tick up. And that's the kind of company that will that will benefit in that environment. They're trading very cheaply. Um, I, I, yeah, I think they offer value, but as to when that value is realised, you need to be patient because you know they are. It's dependent on these external cyclical factors. So just just be aware of that. Yeah. Okay. Then there's a question from a viewer on. He says, Sun International or City Lodge and Pepco or Mr. Price, uh, Rickus of those four shares, which two might you pick, if any? Okay, Talk, talking my book here, um, definitely Sun, Sun International. Um, diversity, you know, the diversity in this income stream, both on the results side and on the gambling side. Um, not that I would ignore City Lodge, by the way, it's just preference on, on Sun International. Pip call Mr. Price. Um, None, I think, <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> but but if you if I had to make a choice, I'll go for Mr. Price. Um, I think Pepco will still still have the sign of overhang, if you want to call it that. But um, both of those in a fiercely competitive market, not only from local competition but also from um, from your Chinese competitors. I mean, not going to stop the Chinese competitors from competing for we've just had a BRICS um, meeting where mm. we are trying to sidle up to China we're mm. not going to stop their companies from selling stuff to us yes you're thinking of some cheap chain imports no doubt but precisely right okay uh, grants um, of those four shares would you have a, a mm. distinct preference for either or or, or, or neither I do. I think. I think. I agree with Rick. Sun International is a is a great business. Um, it's a lot better quality than City Lodge. City Lodge has got quite a lot of debt. Um, uh, you know, it's a little more of a speculative play. It's. I would probably avoid it, uh, other than a small position. Sun International of the two is definitely my pick. And then with regard to Pepco and Mr. Price. Uh, Pepco is actually a pretty good operation, and and the threat that Rick is talking about to Mr. Price. From online, the likes of Shein and some of these, um, you know, physical stores like H and M, I think it's real. Uh, the last couple of reporting periods, Mr. Price, to me, seems to be losing a little bit of market share. Um, I'm concerned that they are caught in between uh, their positioning and and they are getting competed away at both ends, at both spectrums. They made mm. a lot of acquisitions, trying to diversify. Nothing is yet big enough to move the needle. Uh, in uh, they've got the Studio 88, which is decent, but it's a lower margin business. So I'm a little bit concerned about Mr. Price. Um, I think it's possibly Pepco offers a little more value and a bit more defensive. Okay. And then, so I would probably go with Pepco. Okay. Uh, and then a very quick question on SAPI, whether or not it's a good investment. Uh, I don't know if either of you follow SAPI or if n- neither of you would classify it under <laughs> such a title. <laughs> I would, if I had to pick, I would own Mondi over Sappy. Okay. I don't like Sappy as a business. Mm. Rickus? Yeah, it's a it's a cyclical company, and the cyclical companies are never investments; they are tradable. Um, 
And for that tradability, you've got to have some idea of what their earnings cycle look like. And so there are times to buy resource stroke cyclical companies and times not to. Mm. And the only way you can really try and time it, if, if that's the correct word, is to have some consistency as to what the possible earnings look like, um, considering where we are in the cycle. The SAPI, it's always a surprise. So, so, so even though the, your earnings are cyclical, you never, you're never quite sure if they've actually caught the bus this time around. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Uh, yes. So, mm. so Mondi is far more consistent, and I just wish they would get rid of their Russian businesses, and then, <laughs> then I'll be very happy with Mondi. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm getting to your stock picks this evening. Uh, Grant, what's, what takes your fancy? I'll, I'll talk quickly. Uh, I've gone with Curro. Um, we've seen how well Advitech is doing, Stadio is doing. And I think Curro is about two or three years behind where Advitech is. They've, they've, they've overcapitalized mm -hmm. for a number of years. And I think for the first time in a long time, I like them as an opportunity. I think management's pulling back on the capex. The margins are starting to improve. Enrollments are ticking over and they're passing on price increases. I think you've got a couple of years of upside in this one if management continues along the direction of travel that they're planning to go through now as they use more of their existing capacity and, and rein in the spending. Yeah. So uh, okay. in a very so short nutshell, you... that's yeah. small nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rick, is how that's about you? <laughs> Thanks, Grant. Same as Tuesday last week, it's ASML. I'm excited about the microchip um, sector in general, and therefore I'm buying the company that makes the machine or that sells the machines to the companies who make microchips. Right. Well, short and sweet. Thank you both uh, for joining us this evening and for all your insight too. Uh, Rickus Redis is from PSG Ramsich. Uh, Grant Nader is from Benguela Global Fund Managers. Up next, the close. Do stay with us. Mm -hmm.